This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery. Bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the 1912 Exiles podcast, the Newport County podcast made by the fans for the fans. I'm Ed, I'm your host today and I want to start off with a big welcome to any new listeners to the pod. Um, Our episodes this week smashed all records for downloads with fans clearly wanting to understand what's going on at Newport County uh, amidst all the current ownership discussions. Um, Obviously since Jamie's interview with John Pratt which went out on Thursday uh, we've heard the news that it's going to be the other bid, the one led by Hugh Jenkins, which is the preferred option to be put to members of the Supporters Trust next week. Uh, we as a podcast have made contact with Mr Jenkins and we are doing our best to get him to come on for a chat, not least because there are going to be a lot of trust members who can't make Thursday's meeting and will be instructing proxies to cast their ballot and it'd be good for them, I'm sure, to hear a bit more about his his vision for the club. Uh, but in the meantime, we wanted to focus matters back onto uh, on the pitch matters, uh, namely by discussing yesterday's 4-1 humbling by Bradford City. Um, and to help me make sense of it all, I'm joined by friend of the pod, Chris Kerwin from the South Wales Argus. Hello, Chris. Hi, Ed. Voice of, voice of doom. You bring me in on these uh, these occasions. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to start off by referring to a really good uh, piece that you uh, have written that came out today about the game. And there's a, a link to it in the show notes. So um, do have a look at that, uh, listeners, if you get chance. Um because I thought that was a really good balanced perspective. You you said that, um, you know, although you write the bulk of it on the Saturday, you tend to give it um, a, a good night's sleep before finalising it. And I think it, it read as that kind of good balanced objective uh, account of the game. Um, and I, the bit that really leapt out to me was, you know, no one likes to single out players for individual criticism, but people couldn't not notice that the battle yesterday between Declan Drysdale and Andy Cook was the key one. And ultimately, um, I think many of us came away thinking that it was Cook's strong performance, but also Drysdale's kind of below par performance that led to at least two of those first half goals. And was that the biggest factor in the game yesterday? 
it was certainly a major factor, and it, it was almost a perfect storm, wasn't it, of um, Drysdale being very, very rusty and Andy Cook being such an important figure for Bradford, who were desperate. I mean, they, they came to Newport under serious pressure, and he, he's just a talisman. He scored most of their goals last season. He's, he's a quality player, and his rustiness wasn't as apparent, was it? That's, that's, that's fair to say, and I, I guess his game isn't built around certain things that dull with being out injured for a while, but... Drysdale will 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 know he, he had a he had a poor game. He, he got lots of things wrong when battling against a player like Andy Cook. He was sort of contrasting. I'm not saying James Clark had a perfect afternoon by any stretch of the imagination, but when he his experience shows when he goes up against the likes of Cook, he knows when not to engage with them and when to go up against them. So, yeah. I mean, it, it it struck me watching that. With no Ryan Delaney, with no Carl Jameson, it was really kind of choose your poison. You know, you've got to choose a centre-back to mark Andy Cook, who can match him in terms of physicality. And although he's not necessarily the quickest, he's he's still got a burst of pace on him. And on his day, a fully match-fit, a fully match-sharp Declan Drysdale probably can cope with a player of that talent. I think it was the thing that really occurred to me was that in the first quarter of an hour yesterday, even before the first goal, it looked pretty obvious that Drysdale just was not going to be able to cope with him because he, he didn't have that sharpness, he didn't have that fitness. And, you know, it, it was like watching a slow motion car crash almost happening because you could see he was getting pulled all over the place um, and it, it exposed a weakness, didn't it? It did. And, uh, and Andy Cook is is a good operator and he knows how to had to go at those weaknesses. If Declan had been having a good day, I dare say he would have he would have found something else. That's that's what he that's what he does. The only way I look at it, but hopefully Declan will be better for that. He's had ninety minutes a tough time. He's he's still a relative novice. He's got a, he's he's got a lot of attributes that you think could be a good good centre half. He just needs to play a lot. And dare I say, he probably needs to play in a if it was in a back three with James Clark and Ryan Delaney. I think we'd be be a lot happier. But that's not the way things are going for County at the minute, is it? Yeah, we'll probably come on to talk about formations in a moment because a lot of us are, are scratching our heads at that. But just on the point about uh, experience, I mean, yeah, Drysdale had a tough game yesterday. The other player who I think didn't cover himself in glory was Adam Lewis. And like you say, these are still relatively young players. Um, but like a lot of our young players at the moment, they're having to play probably more minutes and more regular minutes than would perhaps be ideal because of the injuries that we've got. Do you think Adam Lewis looks like a player who maybe could do with a bit of a rest at this stage and let Matty Bonswell come in and have a go? I don't, I don't know. I, I like the idea of combining the, the pair of them, but I get where, you, where you're coming from because, yeah, he's, he's made a few mistakes of late, Adam Lewis, but I'm not sure with him it's a fitness or sharpness or too many games issue because he, is he is an energetic, energetic yeah. lad. So I, I don't know. He's just, dare I say... It, that they're, they're fourth tier players, and it's going to happen, isn't it? That yeah. you you have certain runs of form where it's not going for you, and otherwise, he let's be honest, he wouldn't have been coming back to county if he didn't have aspects of, of his game that needed work. Um, yeah. the, the part that was disappointing with from him, uh, yes, defensively needs work, but usually his delivery is good, and all day it was it was off. Which yeah, is, yeah I think yeah. that from that aspect, I think you can put that down to a just having a bad day for him because usually he's spot on with his delivery, and it was. It was high. It was too floated. It was ever everything was just not happening for him. Whereas that has that is an area of strength for his. Yeah, defensively, he's always had a few a few concerns. Um, and I think that's where having a run of games might help him. I guess the other question about the experience point is, 
we're clearly short in defense. Uh, short in defense. We've got Jameson out, Matt Baker out, James Clark out now. Drysdale clearly not fully Matt Sharp, and we've got Ryan Delaney back next weekend, but he's returning from a, um, a suspension. And we talked a lot in the summer about the versatility of the squad, and I did wonder whether you think we might see a little bit more shuffling, perhaps with. Morris or Bennett getting a game at centre half to try and bridge the gap until we've got a few more options because you know they were both um, talked about as you know they can play centre mid but they can also fill in at, at centre back and is that is that an option that you think we might look at or do you think we need their kind of heft in midfield more than we need their experience in defence? Once again, it's the, the the depth issue that you just can't leave leave them out of midfield at the minute. There, there, there aren't the numbers about Harry Charlesley there and with Wilde coming back. Um, I'm not sure about moving Morris. I, I'm not sure I see him necessarily as a defender myself. And ben, it's interesting because he clearly has played there, but he's not been seen as an option for a while, has he? Because, I mean, there was the, the incident, incident the crew where they brought on Josh Tebury early on rather than move Bennett back. Um, so he's clearly not seen as a centre-back by Cochrane. Yeah, I mean, I thought Seabury came on and, and did quite well uh, during the, the bit of time he had on the pitch yesterday. But he's another one, like Lewis, who is going to have good games and bad games. And it's just how quickly we can get him up to speed and consistent, really. But um, so he's probably not one who's going to be starting anytime soon. But um, he, I thought he did he did his uh, his cause no harm yesterday in the, the spell that he had. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask you about was just about the attacking balance, because in the, the podcast WhatsApp group, Reese was praising the the lovely pass from Waite to Bogle for what turned out to be the consolation goal. And, the, the, you know, there's clearly a good understanding between those two players. But it, it did get us talking about when and how you accommodate James Waite in this, the starting eleven because physically there are some games where he struggles, but at the same time, his energy and his work rate really fits with that Cochland DNA. And he does bring an element of creativity and I just wondered like what's your take on yeah when and how we get the most out of James Wade it's interesting yeah he does have good um combinations with attacking players we saw that throughout last season at at Harrogate he was at the heart of it one one of the the good days under James Robery towards the end of his spell he's lively isn't he and that's there are moments on the edge of the box where you think oh you know you you actually want him around things because he he can pop it around he can Far off a shot. I think there was one yesterday, wasn't there, where he didn't quite connect with it on the edge of the box. Where, whereas if he'd done the a Bristol Rovers style finish, it, you never know. But um, his problem will always be that is he better as an impact sub, which mm-hmm. Cochrane was using him at the start of the season. He's played in every game in some shape or form. It's only been as a starter of late. And James Waite would hate to be seen as an impact sub, but <laughs> you know, perhaps County need that because they didn't have that bench impact yesterday and. Holding holding someone back to really be an option to 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 change things up is is interesting, isn't it? And that'd be interesting how the progression of Nathan Wood in a similar way, another Penny Bond boy, can he be developed into being a, an attacking midfield option? Yeah, I mean he's one I'm really excited to see, but it's going to be when he's ready rather than us rushing him in. I think, but yeah, I mean he brings that a little bit more physicality to uh, to things certainly I mean the other thing that I thought was interesting in your piece was this point about formations and you know we've touched on it already that are we ultimately going to try and shift back to a 5-3-2 which is what we we played relatively well with towards the back end of last season you know we shifted it up and the new system with this kind of four parallelogram two that we've talked about in the pod 
it, it worked well early on, but particularly with this tough run of games, is there value in us just trying to do the thing that Copland did when he first came in last season of let's just let's just grind out some results and if we need to sacrifice some creativity and we need to sacrifice some goals um then let's do it because actually we just need to grind out some results grind out some clean sheets and just do the basics right the difficulty is we'd be trying to do that at a time when we have a dearth of center halves but do you think that perhaps is what we're going to try to do as soon as the situation allows it now i think it'll certainly come into the conversation because that that's how they started at accrington in a in a three five two five three two whatever you want to want to call it um just going back on another point but that's what made drysdale's performance so frustrating yesterday was that against barrow he did really well when they were in that back to the wall just clear it mode and perhaps county need to get back to an element of that of just you know defend that box with everything and you know, having three center backs in there maybe will help he'd like to at least have the potential to do it. i just don't think he does at the moment because as as you mentioned josh seabury there's a lot to his game to like but he's a teenager he's he's not they didn't plan for him to be playing league two football i think graham mentioned him as a, as a project ideally he would have been you know just learning from them being around the first team instead he's the he's the first option if there's an injury so we'll we'll, we'll see there are there are a few questions about about what how county approach Sulf, the sulfur game and he's not going to be making changes necessarily from a position of strength i don't think well, I mean, that brings me quite neatly, actually, onto the thing I was going to ask you. I mean, you obviously you speak to Copeland more regularly than most of us do, and he never gets carried away by celebrating victories, and he never gets too down about defeats. But he did seem genuinely cross about the manner of yesterday's defeat. And with this tough set of fixtures that we've got coming up and limited options available to him, how do you think he might inspire a better, better performance at Salford next weekend? His track record, him and Joe Dunn, suggests they will get some sort of reaction because they don't yeah. tend to lose successive games, however that is. And that's why I remain confident that they won't go on horrend- a horrendous run under him where you're sort of having loss after loss. I just don't think County like that. I think they've still got the quality in their side to string together results, dig it out. But he was he was miffed. I think he'll, he'll nurse them through. I think he'll, he'll calm down because <laughs> uh, you know, he does have to do those media interviews Shortly after, afterwards, when he's still processing his thoughts, that's not easy. But at the same time, yeah, they'll, they'll let him know that wasn't that wasn't good enough. Yeah. Well, we did put this out to uh, the listeners earlier on today, and we said what needs to change for County to bounce back uh, next week at Salford. And we had some really good responses in uh, the most detailed uh, as you would expect is from Mark Vickery who um, always gives really good insights and analysis so he was one of several uh, respondents who said they want to to perhaps move to a different system so a 3-5-2 or a 3-4-3 he was one who is keen to give uh, Seabury a a chance in the team Um, a few others were talking about maybe Payne coming in Um, but in both cases I think there's a feeling that Perhaps then what you do is is use McLaughlin. Um, a few people said, uh, let me have a look, Dan Grace, I think, suggested it, Hammered as well, that you could try McLaughlin in midfield um, whilst we're without Harry Charsley because McLaughlin brings that same tempo and energy and work rate to midfield. So there's a, a possible option there. We had some other points in. Stu talked about... You know, we're desperate to get everyone fit so that Coughlin can pick exactly the lineup that he wants. We've got this makeshift team every match at the moment. And then that turned into quite an interesting discussion about, yeah, what what the the bench looks like. You know, Chris Herbert was saying that the, the backup players we've got are 
either not good enough or they're young and and improving but not at a rate that is kind of quick enough and so how do we kind of um add to some of that let's have a look what else came in there yeah i mean the second point that that mark made um is a really good one we've got a very tough few months ahead of us until january and we just need to dig in we need to be more resilient first and foremost and um and yeah grind out some of these um results there was also a discussion so this was from Tintin the bucket hats who said start uh, Ollie Thomas and I thought this was a, a fascinating point because their argument and I can see the logic of it is that we got the best out of Will Evans early on in the season when he was up front with Seb Palmer Holden rather than with Bogle so if you want to get the best out of Evans who is the most Seb Palmer Holden like player that you've got without him there and the answer is probably Ollie Thomas even though again he's one who's young and is learning and probably you wouldn't ideally be starting him at this point but is there an argument to to put him up front with um with Evans try and get the best out of Evans and then have Bogle to come um off the bench so even within the sort of tricky narrow confines that Graham Coughlin has got there are alternative ideas Chris about how how you might, might try to get a different team and a different reaction out of uh, out of the players next Saturday. On the Ollie Thomas one, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because he, he's clearly a bit behind Seb Palmer Holden in terms of his development, hence he was going to be with, be with Yeovil. Do they try and speed that up by giving him games or do they keep doing what they're doing? Um, I would, would say that if you were trying to get the best out of someone, you, you try and get the best out of Omar Bogle because he's got the track record rather than a good month, as good as Will Evans is was, and I'm a fan of Will Evans. Changing to get back to that is a, an interesting one rather than Bogle, who's got the track record and I think is genuinely there, the quality option they've got attacking-wise. I mean, his finish um, on Saturday was was real quality. You know, you right. could see that um, with the confidence he had to just go around the keeper and then pass it in. I think attacking-wise, I think Matty Bonswell needs to come into the, the equation somewhere and just give him a go because we've seen the past two games, they, they've been given problems down down their right by a really, really lively uh, attacking left-sided players. And I think Bonswell is someone who can actually drive with the ball at someone. So I think that would be interesting, especially in an away game like that, where Salford are going to be in the huge pressure. Let's not forget that. They've been, they've been terrible. So do you go there with a pragmatic side, but also with the ability to hit them with someone like Bonswell? That, that's, that's interesting. I mean, it's something that I think we said the last... Uh, pod that we did where we talked about on the field matters that as someone who isn't a fan of the uh, the football league trophy in its current format like we desperately need some of those games just so that you can actually see how the likes of Bonswell the likes of Wood um, the likes of Thomas get on in 90 minutes even if it is against a B team or someone else's kind of second string as well like just just to get them having 90 minutes of Pro football um, would do them the world of good, and just the way the fixtures are, we've kind of we don't get into a lot of those games until we're, we're further into October. Yeah, I'm not sure Graham Coughlin shares your view on the FL Trophy coming in. And <laughs> it's a, it's gonna, that's going to be a real test because you are right; it's useful for those players, but there's going to be some first teamers as well who's who going to have to be flung in there. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, it's it's not what you'd be wanting to do in the middle of an injury crisis. I, I 100% take that point, but because of the number of young players, loan players and so on. Um, there is, yeah, there is an opportunity there, I guess. So um, we're, we're going to kind of draw things to a bit of a close because this was only just a, a quick check-in uh, pod. But let's let's talk about your player of the pod. And I think we should probably include the Barrow game in uh, in that discussion as well. Uh, so who who's really stood out for you in the last couple of games, Chris? Tough on the back of the, 
<laughs> of uh, Bradford. I'm generally, I'm not sure anyone covered themselves in glory, but I'm always a Scott Bennett fan. I'll, I'll go with Scott Bennett. He's a, he's done well. And let's be fair, Declan Drysdale was. Remember, he he did really well against Barrow when he, he was back to the wall. So, and they're going to need him. So there we go. Yeah, are. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I I really hope that he. When he does next start, and and because of the injuries, it probably he probably is going to start again next Saturday against Salford. I, I do hope that everyone gets behind him and and does their best to help him put it behind him, uh, and and yeah, move on like you talked about. Um, how about shout outs and beefs? Shout out, give me Colin Everett. He's had to, he's had an awful lot to go through, and um, also I think he's engaging with people as well. I see on on Facebook, it's a fair play to him. Fantastic. Any beefs? I only have a quick beef, actually. It's, uh, it's people who don't learn the, the new reg- regulations that have come in. There was, the, there was people giving the uh, fourth official jip for not letting, um, I think it was Adam Lewis back on. Oh, yeah, yeah. He, he has to wait his 30 seconds, doesn't he? Yeah. He does. 30 seconds. Do your homework. Fans have got to do their homework, I'm telling you. Yeah. We had another new voice, I think, behind the PA system on uh, on Saturday. Uh, and I thought you did a very good job. It was a very good uh, first, first game, I think. So um, whoever you are, well done, welcome, and uh, keep up the good work. That was Joe Crocker. Yeah, was it? Was oh, there you go. Well, yeah. well done, Joe. He uh, yeah, he did a did a very fine job, I thought. So good stuff. And uh, I have a beef with referees and linesmen not giving shirt pulls because yesterday, twice, uh, Ollie Thomas, when he was on the pitch, um, was uh, clear as day. You know, the first time I think the defender had his arms round uh, Ollie's waist, and the second time that he was virtually pulling the shirt off his back, and nothing was given. And there are some things in life and some things in football that I'm kind of willing to overlook but that is a, a, a clear a clear foul and the referee and linesman could see it and didn't give it and um, it drives me mad well um thank you chris for coming on for a chat hopefully we will get you on again soon when we do our traditional kind of deep dive into county start to the season we, we tend to do that after 10 games but um for reasons that i think we talked about before we're going to wait a little bit longer this season because of the way the fixtures have come out i think we'll probably do that uh that analysis probably later on in october um once we think we can start to divine some uh some real insights from the start of the season so thank you for coming on chris no problem at all um we will be back this week hopefully with a, an interview with hugh jenkins um but definitely with some reaction to thursday's meeting so make sure that you are subscribed to the pod so that you never miss an episode and do leave us a nice review if you like what we do um you can also donate the price of a cup of coffee towards our running cost and again you will find a link in the show notes that will help you to do that um but in the meantime thank you all for listening look out for each other look after yourselves And above all, keep it counting. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.